everybody. It's nice to be back in Ballyhalbert. I was really glad to see the, the people coming further forward. I was checking out my deodorant and my aftershave to make sure everything was okay. Because everybody wants to start from the back and work their way forward. But it's nice to be here uh, on this Sunday morning. What do you remember? Was last year mad? Have you ever seen anything like it? 350,000 Russian soldiers die in Ukraine. What's that all about? There's thousands dying in Gaza and Israel. What's all that about? And personally, there's things that we will remember from this year and we're not really sure maybe how to deal with or how to get on with it. We're living in a world where they don't know the difference between a man and a woman. People that would have been in mental institutions are now uh, allowed to call themselves cats and do whatever they like. And I'm really struggling to see what's going on. What is it important to remember? As you get older, the memory fades. Let's be real about it. It's not really that good. I used to always know faces, but I can't get names for them now. I'm struggling with the names for the face. I've got the face, no name. And it's been said that as you get older, you start thinking of the hereafter. You go into a room and you stop there for a minute and you think, what am I hereafter? <laughs> but it's important from the Bible to remember important things. We've had our own personal things throughout the year. Some of the things we probably would like to forget. One of our brothers here has been talking about his failures during the year. We all have had them. Do we want to keep remembering them? Maybe there's things that have happened in your family. I lost my dad this year. Do I want to keep remembering that? Maybe there's things in your life that you're going to come across in the year to come and maybe you're under a wee bit of pressure and you're thinking, how am I going to deal with that as I come into the new year? What is it important to remember? Let's see what we can do. Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 says this. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I hope that's not too offensive. My brother read from it earlier on. It was unusual for me to follow the full text as he read, so that was good. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honour him in your youth before you grow old and say, life is not pleasant anymore. Remember your creator. There are so many facets to remembering your creator. What about his creation to start with? That was made for you. His creation was made for you. Now, I have discovered in my lifetime as I've walked through the morns, I find a real peace and contentment being up in the middle of it. I love the scenery. I love the mountains. I love the lakes. I love the sea. I love all the things that I can see. And there's all age groups come through the morns. There's old grunters like me. There's younger people. And they come through. And you know what I've noticed the whole time I've walked through the morns? There's a big smile on their face. It's actually, I'm actually busted trying to climb up that mountain and these people are all coming down and they're smiling. Not only that, but complete and utter strangers want to have a full-blown conversation with you. I remember going up one day, there was meant to be other people coming with me and they all bowed out and I thought, you know what, I've taken the day off to sort this out, I'm going up myself. And I went, I went up to a certain peak and I thought, I'll just get out a wee, a wee book here and read for a few minutes while I'm relaxing up here. Never got a chance to read the book. 
these people from down south came up. They had a full-blown conversation for I don't know how long. And then another crowd come, and everybody wants to talk to you. Why? Because they're at peace in the creation that God has made. And I find personally that I'm more in touch with the Lord when I'm in his creation. I'm a Fermanagh man. If you've ever been out in the lakes of Fermanagh, out in the boat, you needn't worry about anything that's going on. It just passes you by. That's maybe why you have to change your clock at Five Mile Town, put it back in there, because everything goes at a slightly slower pace <laughs> once you go further down that particular area. And even here, I was asked, how did you enjoy your drive down here this morning? It's brilliant. You come off at a nice, easy pace. You come down the coastline, and you see these this lovely scenery as you're coming down to Ballyhalbert. How could it be, Andy? How could you not have a nice journey down here? Do you know what? Have you ever heard so much this last while about mental health? It seems to be on every level they come, oh, I've got a mental health problem. Or an excuse for this mental health problem. God's creation was made for you. I remember one time in my own experience when I was going through a tough time mentally. Um, my mind actually had stopped functioning. Too much stress at work. Too much stress in church life. And I remember one day coming and my wife came with me and we went down to the Silent Valley. What a difference that made walking through the Silent Valley in the midst of a turmoil time in my own experience. God's creation is for you. Your mental health is important for the Lord. Look at his creation. See what he's done for you and enjoy it to the full. God created you. Now, I was doing a, an advanced first aid course because I was going to take up a job in a private ambulance firm. And I came home very excited around the, around the first day that I was there. And I said to my wife, do you realise that I am an amazing piece of machinery? <laughs> now, she didn't seem that excited at the time, I have to say. Uh, but it was an amazing thing for me. Because I couldn't get over the fact that an electric pulse starts my heart that pumps blood into my lungs where it picks up oxygen, goes to the other side of the heart and pumps oxygenated blood through the rest of my body that keeps me alive. How amazing is that? And then you get these boys say that he evolved from a monkey. And you think to yourself, hold on, a monkey has no reasoning. It has no emotions. How do you evolve that? How can you get from that to this? Why is there 250 different breeds of monkeys and apes presently? They are the thick guys. <laughs> What's going on here? He has created us. We are an amazing piece of machinery. I love it too because Psalm 139, 1-10 is very helpful to me. Because he created me, he knows exactly how I work. This is amazing. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I am far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and follow me. 
You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the furthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. There's so many aspects to this that are really helpful for us to remember. First of all, if you're bluffing here this morning, if you say you are following the Lord, but in your secret life and in your life away from Ballyhalbert Hall, you're not, guess what? God knows all about it. There's nowhere to hide. That's what this passage says. I know everything that's going through your mind. I know everything that's in your heart. I know every single thing about you. You can't bluff God. Maybe this is a time when we're going into the new year. You need to reassess how you're walking with God. The second thing about this is, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't understand myself. That sounds a wee bit weird. But in many times, there are thoughts come into our mind or stuff that goes on in our life, and we can't understand it. Guess who does? Your creator, God. He designed you. He knows what makes you tick. He knows exactly where your difficulty is at every time. If you have a problem with your car, what do you do? Do you bring it, do you bring it to the shop owner down the street, or do you bring it to the mechanic? Of course you bring it to the mechanic. You have a problem with in your mind, and you don't know what's going on. You need to talk to God about it. He knows exactly what's going on with you, and he's the one who can fix it. Who better to talk to? And the third aspect about this that I find really good is, this tells me that I'm never alone. I have had times in my life when I've walked into a crowded building and felt lonely because people weren't really understanding maybe where I was at. Or maybe you're feeling you're in a situation that you're finding it difficult to work your way through and you feel alone in that. You're not alone. God is with you on all these different, in all these different aspects of your life. And you'll notice here that it specifically mentions honour him in your youth. Why do you think he does that? Well, the reality check is, young people, we start experimenting. And we get to certain age and we think the old fella and the old lassie don't really know what they're talking about and they're not up to date with the new world that we're living in. And we go about and do different things. Here's the thing. When I was younger, I could see it at a young age. And I used to think to myself, I wish I had been out in the world for a period of time so that I would appreciate my salvation more. The longer I go on in life, I realise that the Lord has really blessed me by saving me young in life. Here's the problem. It says here, honour him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. What happens is, as you get involved in sin throughout your life and you work through things, you start pricking up baggage. And if you're not saved to later on in life or you, you neglect the Lord, you have so much baggage to deal with. I'm friendly with a guy who deals with drug addicts and one of the people that he was dealing with, his very words are this, he's now a Christian. He says, there's not a day in life that I get up that I, my body is not in extreme pain. That's baggage because of the sin that he was involved in earlier in his life. 
There's a young fella there recently got saved in our place, a really nice guy. He's never out of the family courts, trying to get access to his kids from a previous relationship. That's real baggage to carry along with you. And the worst situation in youth is sometimes you can make a mistake that there's no comeback from. And I know my daughter on her first day in college, the first night, one lad died. Alcohol poisoning on his first day at college. That gives us as parents a lot of difficulties because we have to try and let the kids make the mistakes in our home before they get away from us. Because if we've had them tied down too much and they suddenly get away and have all this freedom, they'll go into some sort of a self-destruct button that can lead to dangerous things like this here. It's important in your youth to honour the Lord and get to know him so that can be of help to you. When you remember your creator, you also remember his power and how insignificant we are. That's an important thing for us to remember. Isaiah 40, 12 to 15 says, Who else has held the ocean in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord never needed anyone's, ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what was right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it was a grain of sand. That's the power of the God that we're dealing with. As we stand in, in that presence of that powerful God, how significant are we? Further all in that same chapter, verses 21 to 24 and 28 to 31 says this. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began. Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like the curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root, when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will, be, will, uh, become, will become weak and tired. The young men will fall with exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Our God is the all-powerful creator. We are totally insignificant in his particular presence. But this all-powerful creator, who's so much superior to us, is interested in us, individually. John 10, 3 and 4 says this, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. The creator God knows you by name. Rishi Sunak hasn't a clue who I am. Nor is he interested in it. 
Now there's King Charles. Couldn't give a toss about George McConkie. But the Almighty Creator knows me by name. He wants to have a relationship with me. Not because of anything that is good in me. And Matthew eleven twenty eight tells us that this all-powerful Creator who calls us by name says this. Then Jesus said, Come unto me, all you who are weak and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Listen, the yoke was like a wooden object that held two animals together, probably two ox in Bible days. And the, the, the yoke would have held them close together and they would walk in a straight line and plowed up a field. If you put an ox with a donkey, it doesn't work because they pull in two different directions and it's not going to go right for you. This little passage says this. If you divide it up into wee bits, it says, Take my yoke upon you. I, the Lord Jesus, I'm the other person in the yoke. I'm walking beside you. The yoke that I gave you is easy to bear. And why is that? Because the person with you is gentle at heart. He's a good teacher. He'll teach you patiently how to live your life and how to walk your way through it. And if you pull alongside him in the same direction, he'll give you a peace and a rest that nothing or nobody else can give you. What an amazing creator God that we have. You have the benefit of his love, his direction, his wisdom, and you have the ability to talk directly to him and roll some of the problems that you're maybe looking at to face in the new you can roll them on to him. The next thing that's important to remember is his wonders and miracles. Psalm 105 and 5 says this, Remember the wonders he has performed, his miracles, and the rulings he has given. Now, if you look in the Bible, you can find miracles and wonders all over the place. It's an amazing thing from Exodus that we can see that the children of Israel crossed the Red Sea and dry ground. And just when the enemy was about to come and take them out, the waters came back in again. What an amazing wonder and miracle. When you think in Daniel, you think of Daniel 1, and you think of Daniel and his three friends, and they refused to take the meat of the king. And 10 days later, after the trial period, they looked far better and far healthier than the people that weren't, that were taking the, the king's food. They were working on vegetables and water and were far better looking. That's a wonder and a miracle. If you look at Daniel 3, you'll find that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are thrown into a, a furnace and they come out of the furnace unharmed and not even smelling the smoke is that not a wonder and a miracle Daniel 6 you find Daniel he goes into the lion's den and he comes out and he's completely unharmed and there was nothing wrong with the lions it wasn't that they hadn't got their false teeth in because the next guys that came in they were totally devoured that's a wonder and a miracle but here's the thing, people, and this is the thing that I think we forget. The Lord is working wonders and miracles in your life and my life, and sometimes we don't even recognize them. And we need to dwell on the wonders and the miracles that the Lord is doing in our life, as well as taking encouragement from the Bible about all the other wonders and miracles that are taking place. I uh, studied for my A-levels, hoping to go and do 
study at Jordanstown. Failed the whole lot. Found that on the Thursday. Think no plan B. Out on Saturday night at a youth event, and I was chatting to different people, just messing about a wee bit, to be honest with you. And I said I could be looking for work, and the guy says to me, can you start next Saturday? Is that a wonder or a miracle? I'm on a wonder and a miracle time here with this. So I started the following Saturday. Second house I, I was building out, I met a young lady who's now my wife of 40 years. That's a wonder and a miracle that she ever took me on. <laughs> and the wonder of the miracle that that was God's plan in the midst of all that was going on. We moved from Fermanagh to Newton Ards because of my work. And we knew nobody in it. We had three houses that we were looking at and we prayed about it. And we eventually put a bid on a house that was accepted and we bought it. The only Christians in the road in the row were in the house attached to ours. A wonder and a miracle that has taken place. And they helped us settle into Newton Ards where we knew nobody. My dad had severe Alzheimer's. We got to the stage where we were going to have to put him in a nursing home. He was thran, he was strong, and it was difficult to deal with. And I had no idea how I was going to get him into a nursing home. And I prayed very much about it. And I remember saying to him, Dad, we're going out for a wee run the car. Do you want to come for a run, blah, blah. No, I don't, don't think I'll bother, George, you know, be honest. But anyway, a couple of times at that, and I got into the car. We drove to the home. My wife went into the home to find out where we had to go. And we had to go to a secure unit. And I drove down to it. And they have had the door ready, uh, ready to open to let us in. I got out of the car. My dad got out of the car. No idea why. I walked into this building. He walked in behind me. I have no idea why. The whole way up the hall, the cares are going, hello, Walter, how are you? Walter, how's things? Got him into this wee room and he says, George, all these people seem to know me. I have no clue who any of them are. And that was him in a nursing home. Hardest day of my life. But that was a wonder and a miracle that the Lord worked in that particular difficult situation that we had to deal with. It's happening all the time. Recognize it and remember the God of miracles in the midst of it. It's very important for us to do it because of our faith. Because Peter says, he was telling people that his life was, the Lord had told him his life was over. He was going to die soon. Second Peter 1, 16 to 19 says, For we were not making up clever stories when I told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy, referring to the Mount of Transfiguration. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven, and we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of this experience, we have greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. The experiences that the Lord brings you through, the wonders and the miracles that he brings you through, increases your faith and helps you in all the different things that have happened in the past and are going to happen in the future in the new year. The other thing that's important to remember is God's compassion and unfailing love. Psalm 25 and 6 says, Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. And I was thinking of two Bible characters where this stands out really well to me. Peter. Mark 14, 66 to 71. He denies the Lord three times. He's absolutely devastated. 
he walks out and he cries bitter tears because he couldn't believe that he'd let the Lord down. Mark 16, 6 to 7, when the, when the ladies came and found that the Lord Jesus had risen, the angels told them, go and tell the disciples, I'm Peter. It was important to tell Peter. Then we find in John 21, 15 to 19, the Lord Jesus says to him three times, do you love me? And Peter eventually said he loved him. And he was told and commanded to feed God's sheep. Three times he denied them. Isn't it amazing that the Lord asked him three times if he loved him? Peter then became a great minister for the Lord Jesus. He was brought back into the fold through the unfailing love and compassion of the Lord. There's Doubting Thomas. Gets bad press, but many times in the Bible he was stepped right up to the mark. Jesus appeared to all the disciples in John 20. 19 to 29 and Thomas is not there and when the, the rest of the disciples tell him he says nah I don't believe that unless I can touch the wounds in his hand and say there's no way I'm believing that guess what Jesus comes back again when Thomas is there with all the rest of them with his unfailing compassion and love and he says Thomas do you want to touch the wounds my Lord and my God was his reply what unfailing love and compassion that we've got to remember from the Lord Jesus. And what we've been doing this morning is really important. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 26 says, do this in remembrance of me. You've got to remember the cross work of Christ. It's so vital to us. The all-powerful creator of the universe knows you by name. And in his unfailing love and compassion, decided that he was in response to his Lord. He was going to come down here and become a human being like us. And that he was going to allow human beings who, when he looked down on them, were like ants. He became an ant. He allowed ants to take him, put him on a criminal's cross to pay the price of your sin and mine. We've got to remember the absolute humility of this all-powerful creator God who allowed this to happen. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 covers it perfectly. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. But there's things that the Bible says we don't remember. Jeremiah 31 and 40, 34 says this, I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Isn't that amazing? Psalm 103 and 12 says, He's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. God forgets those sins when we've asked for forgiveness. And allow him into our lives. So here we are. The end of another year. What do you remember from last year? What should you remember? What problems are you going to face in the new year? How are you going to deal with it? I think it's an important thing to think of Philippians 3, 13 and 14. This is things sometimes we should not remember. 
No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. This is Paul, the great missionary. But I focus on one thing, forgetting the past. I don't know what failures you've had this year. But if you've, if you've gone to the Lord and asked for forgiveness, and forget about it. Move on. Don't do it again. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. There's actually a bright future with the Lord in the new year. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Forget your failures. I lost my dad this year, so should I just keep dwelling on losing my dad? Personally, I don't think so, because I'd lost my dad 10 years ago with Alzheimer's. This was the long goodbye. He's now with the Lord, with perfect memory, with perfect recollection. Why should I dwell on that? I shouldn't want to keep him because he's in a better place with a fully functional mind. Why would I dwell on that? You can dwell on, the, on your failures of the year if you really want to, but that's not going to help you as you start the new year. It makes more sense to make things right with the Lord and move on and press towards the mark. Go forward with the Lord. The second thing from Philippians is very helpful. is Philippians 4, 6 and 7. You've probably got problems ahead and you're thinking to yourself, how am I going to deal with that? This is what Paul says. Don't worry about anything. That's easy said, isn't it? Instead, pray about everything. That word pray actually means dwell on God. Now, we've just been talking about the creator God. We've just been talking about the compassionate God. We've been talking about all the great attributes of God. Dwell on that. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Think back over the past year, all the holes he's pulled you out of, all the holes he's pulled out of through the years. Be thankful to him for that. Now, if he's pulled you out of that hole there, and he's pulled you out of that hole there, and you realize how great God is, the all-powerful creator of the universe, surely it's easy for us to go to him and say, listen, you help me out here, I know you can help me out again. I know who you are. Why don't you talk to him about it? Why sit there worrying and getting all built up about this, that, and the other, when your creator God, who's in charge of all things that go on around you, is there and available for you to talk to? So in summing up, as we think about the old year past and the new year to come, remember the important things. Remember your creator God. Remember the wonders and miracles he has done. Remember his compassion and unfailing love. Remember his cross work. And remember that he doesn't remember the things that are maybe clouding your mind and affecting how you start this new year. And also remember that the God who's in charge of the whole universe, who is the great creator God, loves you as an individual and knows you by name and he's interested in you. Talk to him about the things that you're going to deal with in the year to come. It talks about in that particular passage in Philippians about rolling it on to him. It's like saying, right, here's the problem, Lord. You're the great God. You're the one that's helped me there. Take it. 
give it to him and let him work his way through it. If you're sitting here this morning and you don't know the Lord, I have no idea how you've dealt with last year and how you're going to deal with the year ahead. Because everything I look at is a mess. There's no other way of looking at it. You might sit here and think, well, you know, I can work my way. The, the world's attitude to life is it, eat, drink, and be merry. Be the best version of yourselves. I don't have a good version. So uh, I'm struggling with that one. And how's that working out? My brother-in-law was on his way home uh, from his son's house and got hit by a drunk driver on the way home. So here we have eat, drink, and be merry. How's that working out? Well, my brother-in-law's car is not in great shape. He's not feeling too good about it because he's struggling with the shock of that. The guy then rested by police, drunk driving. How's that going to work out for him? He'll have a court case. He'll not have a license. Will that affect his job? Possibly. It'll certainly affect his insurance. It doesn't really work out. How many people's lives have been destroyed because of an affair that's taken place because of a Christmas party? How many children have been left wondering, what have I done wrong that my dad is no longer here or my mum is no longer here? The destruction that takes place by that attitude in life didn't really work. Jesus is real. He's an historical character. There's no denying that. Your whole calendar is based on before Christ and after Christ. The whole world knows he exists. People just want to ignore him. He can't ignore him. He's the creator of God who's in charge of everything. If you're sitting here today and you don't know the Lord, what will be happening is if the Spirit is working, it'll be like a voice in your head talking to you about the way you're living and how it's working out for you. The voice in your head will be saying, the Lord Jesus died on the cross to pay the price of that. And your only decision to make is, am I going to repent and turn from the way I'm going and follow him? Or am I just going to keep on going the way I'm going? I am guarantee you, that if you continue in that line, that there is no hope for you for the future, that you don't have the greater God with you helping you through this difficult life that we have to go through for you, and you really need to get that sorted out. I was reading this morning to try and prepare myself here for this particular service, and I was reading from John, uh, from Luke 16, about the rich man that ended up in hell. There was two very important things for me in that. Number one, there was nobody to help him. He was by himself. There were no parties there. None. And when he was in that situation, there was nowhere for him to go. There was a gap between him and the Lord, and he couldn't cross the gap. And the thing that really stuck out to me, he suddenly became an evangelist. Please send Lazarus to talk to my brothers so they don't end up here. Don't ever be in that position. The creator God is here for you to help you in every aspect of life. Maybe forgetting the things of the past year that you really shouldn't dwell too long on. Telling you to look forward to the year ahead. Leaving your problems with him and working things through with the Lord in the, thing, in the days to come. Things are important to remember. Remember them. And follow the Lord in what could be yet another difficult year let's just pray just want to thank and praise you Lord for the great God that you are I thank and praise you that even that you're so much superior to us and you're so powerful and that you're the creator God 
that you know us by name individually. And you loved us so much that you sent your only son, the Lord Jesus, into this world to die on the cross to pay the price of the sin that we could never pay. We thank and praise you for the fact that you are our creator God, the fact that you love us with a love that we don't understand, and the fact that you're continually doing wonders and miracles, the fact that you were prepared to die on the cross and humble yourself to do that and make it possible for us to come and know you. Thank and praise you for the fact that you want to walk through this life with us. You want to help us in all the difficulties that come our way. Help us to remember the things that are important. Help us to let go of the things that are holding us back and help us to move on with you in the days to come. This is just asked in your name. Amen.